Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Welcome back to another episode of Your Best Life with Anna Victoria. Hi, guys. I have Luca here with me. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Today's guest is Shalene Johnson, who is a fitness professional, motivational speaker, and best-selling author. She and her husband, Brett, are the founders of the Smart Life Movement, and she hosts two podcasts, The Shalene Show and Build Your Tribe. So, Luca, what are you interested in hearing Shailene and I talk about? Well, she's a business expert, so anything business, I'm obviously really into, you know, <laughs> business and growing businesses. So that's, I think it's going to be a great conversation. Yeah. So actually, um, I got connected with Shalene very early on in my fitness journey. And to be honest, I, I didn't know who she was. I wasn't far enough into my fitness journey to be aware of like fitness DVDs or like fitness, like infomercials and like Beachbody and um, I didn't know that she was like such a pillar in the industry and such a business and expert and entrepreneur. Um, so I was very lucky to have been, you know, able to connect with her early on. And if you've, you guys have heard me talk about the early days of like Instagram and, and the, my growth, they weren't very happy days. Some people were really, really mean and cutthroat. And Shalene was kind of like the shining star of like everyone I interacted with that was like so kind and so generous. I remember that. Yep. Yes. Like once I did realize who she was and like, I felt like, oh, like I'm talking to a celebrity here, you know, like in the fact that like she was giving me some of her attention and not asking for anything in return. Like it was so clear to me, like what a good person she was. And she became like, you know, a sort of mentor for me in the early days. And, you know, we'll get into why once, uh, you know, we start chatting. So here is my conversation with Shalene Johnson. Hi, Shalene. How are you? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so excited to be here. Is it nap time at your house? Um, yes, actually, she is sleeping right now. So fingers crossed, she stays asleep the whole time. Well, for selfish reasons, I hope she wakes up and I can see that cute little yeah. face. Oh, <laughs> um, Shalene, do you want to start by sharing a bit about who you are and what you're about? Lordy, well, that'll take a while. Um, so <laughs> sure, I'll I'll do the quick version. Who am I? I I am someone who's, I'm a teacher. That's what I am. I'm I'm a teacher. And I teach whatever it is that I have figured out for myself most recently. And then at that moment, that's what I will be most passionate about teaching. So over the course of the last 30 years, that has taken on a lot of different twists and turns um, from fitness to personal development, goal setting. And I would say the majority of my time today is spent teaching entrepreneurs how to, how to build a life of their dreams uh, without having to sacrifice family and like sacrifice life without the hustle. Yeah. Well, I have to say that's such a humble description of yourself because 
I, when I think of you, I think of you are a fitness expert, a marketing expert, a business expert, a content expert. And I even was thinking that you're, I feel like you're a family expert, like your content about your marriage, about your kids, about the whole family dynamic is just as needed and inspiring as all of that other content. Um, and I have to say, I have to fangirl first for a bit because you have been almost like an indirect mentor to me from for a very long time. And I'm sure that people say this to you all the time, especially, you know, in your line of of work. But um, I don't know if you remember that we have been connected for For 10 years, I think. I was thinking about like maybe 10 years, right? Yeah. I think it's 2011. uh, 2012 is when I started. So yeah. So uh, gosh, eight years. Yeah. I didn't know if you remembered. Yeah, I absolutely. I've had such a fun time. Like, just following your journey, going like, oh, you know, doing the like, I remember when and like we were, every, yes. everything was new on Instagram. And we were like, oh. buddies, like it was all these guys who had like big accounts. And we were I was yes. like, here's what we could do. You know, and, and then <laughs> right. just it was so crazy to to figure out who you were because you had an account then that yes. um, didn't feature you at all. Mm-hmm. And and so then like once I got to meet you, I'm like, oh, wow, this girl isn't just really smart. She's really beautiful, too. Oh, thank you. And I have to say that that moment, I remember that. And I that moment gave me a lot of confidence to step out of that anonymous page and to start building my own personal brand, because, you know, from the beginning, that that wasn't my intention. And um, I am happy that that's kind of the way it happened because it allowed me to create something organic that like I was, like you said, you teach things that you've mastered that, you know, you needed. And it was the same thing for me um, with my entry into personal training. And, you know, now first my guides, now I have an app and so on and so forth. So anyways, um, I just, when I think of you, like the first thing that comes to mind is just like you being such an inspirational person for me and a mentor of guiding me in the very beginning and, you know, throughout my career. And I have to say there's amazing. Yeah. Well, and, and I appreciate it so much because in the early days of Instagram, this was all so new, kind of no one knew what, what this was, what we were doing. And you, I don't, I can't say I remember the exact words or if it even Mm -hmm. was to me directly, but you um, inspired me to make my content very true to me and to not succumb to the pressure to be overly sexy to attract an audience. And, um, and yeah, and just to, you know, stay true to me and my audience. And for that reason, I now have, oh, I, I'd have to look at the stats, but almost a 90% female audience for that reason. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Like, I think that is such a testament that people need to pay attention to because sometimes the easy thing to do, the low-hanging fruit that we know it doesn't align with who we are, but it's easy, that's very tempting. But I just think we're always rewarded when we do the right thing. And by right thing, I don't mean like morally right. I mean like right by us. And so many of those girls, like back in the day, all all those girls, and we yeah. know who we're talking about, who who they really did do the like over-sexualized thing. And I don't know if that's who they were, but it for sure at the time got you massive right. tons of follows. But do they still want to be serving like those yeah. guys who were like oogling over yeah. their butt photos? Well, and I have to I mean? say, at the end of the day, if that's what they want to do, like I don't want to knock that if that's what they're interested sure. in. But if you're interested in having a, a business in the fitness industry as a female, that's not what's going to help you build a brand. Yeah. And I'm not even suggesting it's like the over-sexualized part yeah. is the wrong part. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like, but they're like, even for me right now, 
if I post fitness content, that's low-hanging fruit for me. I know it's going to crush. I'm going to get more likes. I'm going to get more engagement. I'm going to get more shares. I'm going to get more saves on Instagram. But that's not who I'm trying to attract. I'm not trying to attract someone who's looking for fitness tips. I'm trying to attract someone who I can help them build their business. So I, so even though it's really tempting to post that stuff, it's like I, that's not in alignment with who it is I want to help today. Yeah. Well, I, I first, I just want to get that out of the way. I feel like I've always thought about like just saying thank you to you for being that early mentor, and I've never had the opportunity. So I wanted to be Aww. sure that I did that today. So that um, I can't even tell you how touching that is. It just oh. is insane, amazing. <laughs> well, so how did you? So since you were and still are a fitness expert and a fitness guru, (laughs) how did you transition into focusing more on business and and why did that transition happen? Well, I think that's probably the interesting um, misconception is that I'm not a fitness expert. Uh, I'm a marketing expert. And yeah. <laughs> um, and I always have been, you know, so I started my first business in college. Uh, I was at Michigan State University. First of all, to go to college was a feat because no one on either sides of my family had ever gone to college or uh, and, and there wasn't money for me to go to college. We um, were, mm-hmm. you know, not doing well at the time financially. And my but my parents, I didn't know that. Like I had a my really healthy money mindset from my parents, which I have mm-hmm. tried to instill in my own kids. Um <laughs> And so it was when I told them I wanted to go to college, then my dad was like, "Okay, well, let's come up with like a really great plan to help you pay for it. And and we're going to, you know, find a way for you to save the money to do it, kid. And so I started by buying used cars at the state auction in Michigan, very inexpensively, uh, state owned vehicles. So they were like just thrashed, you know, because they've been mm-hmm. on the roads for construction, et cetera. And uh, then I would take them and I would have them painted inexpensively, painted all black, and I'd have the windows tinted and I would detail them. This is when I was 15 years old, couldn't even drive. Wow. And then I would sell the vehicle myself. And my dad would, you know, teach me everything I need to know to be able to answer the questions of the adults who were coming to look at the vehicle. And I would sell the vehicle, make, you know, maybe a four or $500 profit, then take that money, buy another vehicle, do it again. And uh, just kept flipping cars until I had enough money to pay for college. And then when I was at Michigan State, it just wasn't working to be able to show vehicles and be a full-time student. And it was unsafe often because I was exchanging mm. cash and by myself. And so I created this business idea to solve that problem for myself yeah. where I had people come to a, a rented piece of land every Saturday morning and they would park their privately owned vehicle and they would become the salesperson for their own vehicle. And then people who wanted to buy a vehicle from a private owner would also come. And I just took a percentage of the sale. And that was my first uh, business that was called the All Michigan wow. Auto Swap Meet. So your girl started off as a used car saleswoman. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. And yeah. I mean, just even that story, like you are like at the core, like a an entrepreneur and a business person. Like it's in your blood, would you say? It's in my blood to solve problems. Like, and yeah. even when people have not asked for me to solve their problem, I that's <laughs> it's it's a problem. Like that, I will I'll yeah. meddle in other people's business and like. Wh- I see something you could do that would make this a lot better. I love solving problems. I'm a very resourceful person. And if you are, uh, whoever might be listening, if you're a resourceful person, you will make an incredible entrepreneur because people need problems to be solved. And no matter how obscure you think your problem is, there are other people who have it and they will pay you to save them the headache, the frustration, uh, the the money that you can save them by solving that problem. And so that's what I've done throughout my career. That was my first business. And I um, just continued to do little, little different businesses, always solving a little problem. 
until I realized that I was working really hard and had a lot of different interests, but I wasn't, I didn't have that kind of success and like freedom that I saw like really successful entrepreneurs having. And um, I was just told by a mentor at that time when I had five businesses, you're not going to be successful in any of these until you focus on one. Mm -hmm. You need to focus exclusively on one. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. (laughs) You know, we're afraid to focus on one thing. Right. right. We're all all afraid to do that. Yeah, we think we're gonna we're gonna focus on the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, we think we're thinking we're gonna make more money by focusing on all these things and keeping all the balls up in the air. So I'm I'm a massage therapist and I I'm a Reiki healer and I'm a dental hygienist and I sell this ebook. Like you know, I think we all get caught up in that. And if you look at my career, it looks like I've done a million things, but I've done them one at a time. And so do you have advice for someone who is wanting to pivot to a new dream or a business idea and How do they alleviate those concerns and the anxiety that goes into that? My advice is unconventional. um, And so it's just worked for me. But it's advice I share with everybody else. um, Because you often hear like, follow your passion, follow your purpose, Mm -hmm. and the money will come. And um, I don't think that's true most of the time. I think that most of us, the timing of the thing that you're most passionate about is everything. When I made the decision to like focus exclusively on fitness, it wasn't the thing I was the most passionate about. I was really still very, very passionate about because I was a, a new mom. I really wanted to teach other moms like how to start a business from home that you you really don't have to be at the mercy of this job and you can be at home and like there's a way. Let me show people how. But trying to make that work at that time wasn't working. It was uh, an expensive, costly endeavor and, and not a money-making business. But to be very honest, that was what I was the most passionate about. So I didn't give up on it, but I set it aside and I just asked myself, okay, in this moment, because it, it didn't hurt that we were also, we were in major debt. So that really inspired me to like go, yeah, I didn't get time to keep playing with this passion project. I need to like focus, right. well, where's the money? Where's the opportunity? So I always tell people, focus on the thing that you like, you're passionate about it, but it's the oppor- the timing for this opportunity is right now. And you can go back to that thing that you believe you were, you know, God shaped you to do. You, you can go back to that when the timing is right. But we all need to be known for one thing first before we can do yeah. all the things. And I think the problem with social media today is we start following people who have a big following and they're doing all the things. You know, so people follow your account. They're like, oh, she's showing us her food and her baby and her husband and her <laughs> fitness. And and so maybe that's what I should do too. But you've earned the right to do that. You first became known for fitness. Right, right. And, and there were hundreds and hundreds of hours put into that behind the scenes that people don't see. Yeah. I think that because, like you said, because of social media, people also think that it's just like an overnight thing, you know, or so easy yeah. to do when it, there's a lot of, you know, uh, work behind the scenes that obviously And a lot of it. trust and the building of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. You know, you've, you've spent eight years taking care, building a relationship with people, some of whom you still have a relationship with, and they, they're, they're still not a customer, right? They're still, right. They're still in a relationship with you because they're listening to your podcast. They're following you on Snapchat. They're, you know, fo- looking at your Instagram stories, and that's a relationship. And maybe on year 10, that person's like, you know what? I think I'm going to download the app, or I think I'm going to buy this thing. And yeah. that does take time. But in today's day and age, and I work with tens of thousands of entrepreneurs, it's called Sheehan's Wall. And you, it's this point at which 
you have to focus so exclusively on one thing that when people mention your name, they go, oh, she's -hmm. the fitness girl. Oh, he's the guy that does, oh, that's that person that only does um, uh, knitting tutorials. Like, you you know, he's, oh, he's the guy that does the Spanish and English um, food tutorials. Like, you know, you got to be the guy, the girl that people say, I know them for that. Once you break through that point and people know you for something, then you introduce the next piece that just makes sense and you just keep building uh, and those eventually all become streams of income but they relate and they ha- they have to happen in my opinion one at a time right well and so what about the project that you're focusing on right now yeah so be- because of the stage that we're at in our um our business and our life our kids are mm-hmm. out of the house now um so we have over the last uh, 20 years we've built several lots of different businesses many of which we've sold because they didn't give us the freedom we wanted. Like maybe they were making us a lot of money, but it was just like, oh my God, this is killing us. Mm-hmm. If we want to grow, we need to sell it. So we've sold a lot yeah. of companies. And the and so we have quite a few companies today and my time is divided amongst all of them. Um, so we have a marketing company that teaches people entrepreneurship. We have a company that sells physical products related to lifestyle, like journals and water bottles. And um, we also have a nutritional program. I call it a nutrition program. It's a nutrition slash habit program. And uh, the habits are, are really central to everything that I teach. And those are all three separate businesses. I'm trying to think if there's another one. You know, of course, our investments. So, But our time is, all, is always divided amongst all those things. So we never have our uh, all of our eggs in one basket. And then, of course, I still do fitness, but I do, I don't own that company. I partner with Beachbody. And so, right. um, my, so in fact, the Pio infomercial right now is on, I just found out last week it's number one. It's a number one infomercial, and I oh. filmed it from my iPhone, which is crazy. Oh, my goodness. And was this during COVID by yes. chance? Yes. Okay, okay. Totally. Yeah. Oh, so that's really interesting because I'm sure that pre COVID, uh, the whole marketing team and video team, they would have been like, you're not going to film this on your iPhone, you know, but because that was kind of the position that we were in and now it's the best selling or you said the most popular infomercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sold tens of millions. It's crazy. Um, wow. Ironically, I had I'd done one uh, two years prior with my iPhone um, and, and that was the infomercial of the year. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So this is actually a thing. And it was horrible. I mean, like I lo- oh. <laughs> I filmed it on the wrong setting. So like, you know, those in the audience who know about, you know, video settings, I yeah. think I filmed on like 740, like not even 1040 or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. the, like the lowest setting is like totally grainy. Um, and uh, half the time my lens needed to be cleaned because uh, I wasn't I didn't anticipate it be going on the air. So I just filmed it on my iPhone because um, I was trying to communicate to the infomercial company that I partner with, like what we had produced was so overly produced. I was like, there's no, even though we spent millions, I'm like, there's, I would, I'm my customer and I would never buy this. It feels so fake and so phony. Why is there an audience full of a studio audience of people like clapping going, oh, like just, that's just not real. (laughs) And I, so I filmed it kind of hoping to say like, this is what, I want to say to my girl, I want to tell her yeah. what she what is possible. I want to tell her she doesn't need to beat her body up. I want to tell her that she shouldn't be starving herself and none of that stuff works. And I want to tell her what's possible. And I so I just opened up my phone and did that without a script, but just like really talking to her because I know her. And um, we put it on the air just as a test. And it was a great success. Um, really lucky that 
that worked. And I think it was just different. And and so we just updated it thinking like, well, if it worked once, let's try it again. And we did it during, um, yeah, filmed it during COVID and uh, um, just found out last week it's, it's doing well. Wow. Amazing. And that actually reminds me, um, I watched a video of you reading an excerpt from uh, your book. Mm. Um, it was about being told to lose weight. Yes. Uh, can you share a bit about that story? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm not a fitness expert. I, my degree is it justice, morality, and constitutional democracy. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, wow. Right? Like <laughs> mouthful. Um, and what are you going to do with that, Shalene? I don't know. I guess I'll teach <laughs> fitness classes. Um, yeah. So I – I really always was very insecure about the fact that I was in fitness, you know, but I, I I was good at marketing. I was good at understanding how to solve problems. And the problem I was solving for women was like working out should be like really fun. I, you know, when I don't know if you've ever watched on ESPN, those like cheer competitions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where they're uh -huh. like, like when they do yeah, like yeah. a jumping jack, you know, and everybody's watched. What was that um, Netflix documentary about cheer? Uh, I think it was called Cheer. I think it's called Cheer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so everybody's watched that. So like when I, everyone, when you watch it, you're like, ah, oh, I want to be able to like be thrown up in the air. And when I take my legs out, there's a sound effect, you know? So I wanted to create this workout that like made me feel like that, except we wouldn't be doing that. So I put all these, I would produce the music and put in all these perfectly timed sound effects on your punches or your jumping jacks. And, and, um, I created this workout that was just kind of silly, didn't make a lot of sense, but it was super duper fun. And it caught on and um, it really caught on. We had 60,000 fitness instructors teaching this workout and wow. um, and we created mo we monthly videos with a new choreography. But here's the deal. Like I, w I knew I was a mastermind behind it, but I was like, but I don't want to be in the videos because like I'm yeah. not like the fitness girl and I don't want – I was so afraid of being judged. You know, I had that real imposter syndrome. Like someone's going to like mm. look up my degree and go like she doesn't know anything about kinesiology. What is she doing? <laughs> but I knew about fun. So I would put the people in the front of the video to teach my choreography who I thought like looked at the part. And then one day, um, I showed up to direct the cast, and one of the the lead didn't show up. And I had had a baby six weeks prior. So I, oh, talk about feeling like I, I've never felt even more insecure than that moment. But I had no choice. I had to do it. And I taught the workout. And um, customers related. They 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 really related to like someone who looked like them and um and from that day forward I just was like oh well I guess I just got to be myself on camera and then eventually that turned into you know the the infomercial so until that point I had done probably a hundred exercise DVDs with just me as a director and just me as the owner it was just me you know so I could decide yeah. on everything and then, and now suddenly I'm working with a you know, huge production crew and they're hired directors and producers and and staff and, you know, they're just these crazy productions and they would show up with um, garment racks loaded with like micro shorts and little micro, you know, bra tops and they would lay things out and say, all right, go, go try these on and then come back out and then you would stand there in this outfit that I'm already super uncomfortable in, in front of a, you know, like five people who, it's just their job to make sure you look your best. That That's their job. Yeah. But just it, I just you know, so I, I can empathize with what they had to do, and I'm not at all like saying these are horrible people. It's like their job; they're they're being yeah. paid to make me look good. But imagine yeah. yourself standing almost naked in front of five people, none of whom could be wearing that outfit themselves, and just <laughs> right. like standing there, and then going, "Hmm, I think we might want to wear like a longer bra top." 
you know, and then you're like, oh, my God. You know, you're about to film and you're like, what did they see? Like, what were they talking about? Do I am I fat? Am I ugly? Is it? And you just get in your own head. And, and that was hard enough. Um, but I always dealt with that. And it, it it was the first time my entire life I I felt like my confidence was going down in my entire life. I've always been a very confident person. But like that was hard because uh, yeah. I had that imposter syndrome. And, and then eventually, you know, the more the deeper I got into that and, you know, we had number first infomercial I released was called Turbo Jam. And uh, we sold tens of millions of copies. It was a number one infomercial in 2005. So there was just, you know, program after program after program. And then eventually um, the trend, as I'm sure you know, things got like leaner and thinner and leaner and thinner. That was like the trend. And workouts got harder and harder and harder. And it kept getting harder and harder and harder for me just to maintain my weight. So I just to just to maintain the same weight, I was exercising like three hours a day, eating very little, like just the worst nutrition on the planet. It wasn't even nutrition. It was just enough. So I had something to put in my mouth. Like I'm, I, I won't even mention the foods, but like zero fat, zero calorie kind of foods, you know, horrible, all processed junk. And uh, I had a producer call my husband and ask my husband if he would have a conversation with me about getting um, leaner and tighter for the next show because it would definitely do better from a marketing standpoint. And I was like- So they they didn't even have this conversation with you. They had it with your husband. Yeah, yeah. Oh and my goodness. That was really embarrassing. It was, it, was, uh, it was embarrassing. It was humiliating. But I got that. And he told me very upset, like very upset that he had this conversation. And I was upset too. And I'm like, I'm not, well, I'm not giving into that, but I did. Like, me- even though I said that, like mentally, I'm like, oh, so I have to get, I'm not lean enough. I knew it. I knew one day I'd be found out. You know what I mean? Like, it was like yeah. that fear that everyone has who has imposter syndrome. Like, for me, it came true that day. Yeah. And I spiraled into just a really horrific state of um, orthorexia. I was exercising at that point uh, four and a half hours a day, four hours a day at least. And again, just you know, the more you exercise and the less you eat, the slower your metabolism gets. Yeah. Right. And so, but I just kept, well, what other choice did I have, I thought. And so I just kept doing that and I got really low, very, very sick and showed up on the set to film. And as you might expect, everyone was just delighted. They're just like, you, oh my gosh, you've never looked better. You look so good. And meanwhile, I'm like, you know, holding on to things so I don't pass out. Oh. And uh, I just, you know, don't blame anyone but myself in that situation. You know, just there's only one person to blame and it's it's me. But I had to to recognize after that happened that I'm a role model and I was lying. I was lying to everybody else. I was hiding these behaviors. I was telling people you could get these incredible results for just 30 minutes a day. But I forgot to put a little asterisk by it that said, but I it takes me four hours and no food, (laughs) you know. Right. So, well. I do feel, though, that, like, unfortunately, the reason why the people who were saying lose weight, you know, et cetera, is because what they're looking at is on the back end, the number side is that's what people want to see, right? That's mm-hmm. what sells. And that's something that I've struggled with, too, because, like, I, I 
I have never even attempted to live that four hour a day workout life and, you know, eating nothing. Like it's just, you know, at, at my point <laughs> right now, I don't have as high of stakes <laughs> as you did, you know, like, sure, and yeah. I'm like, you know, if, if some people on Instagram don't find me as inspirational because I'm not starving myself, I'm good with that. Right. You know? But I have had moments where I'm like, oh, like I know that as much as I'm on this journey for myself, I know that, you know, my app will sell more if I have a more lean, you know, defined abs abs and core and this and that. And that's really hard because Mm -hmm. like you said, that's usually when you're your least healthy. Right. Or or I will say if you maintain that for an extended period of time. Because sure, you can do it for a short period of time. But again, that's not a lifestyle. Yeah. And so many people slip when they they, – so many women, that is how it starts. And then they can't stop it. And addiction takes hold. It's orthorexia. It's anorexia. It's Mm -hmm. bulimia. And then it's coupled with what happens in social media. It's coupled with the praise. When when we see some – this is true. And I ask anyone who's listening to – to think about how you responded the last time you saw someone in person who lost a lot of weight. And maybe even to the point where you think, in your mind, you think, God, that person does not look healthy. But we are so conditioned to say, you've lost weight. You look great. We're literally conditioned to say that to someone who, in our minds, we think, "They they don't look okay. Yeah, I actually, that reminds me, my own sister, I saw her, it was for the holidays, I think last year. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you look great. Like, you know, she had lost some weight. And she's like, yeah, um, I'm not eating because I'm a workaholic, you know, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, yeah. and she wasn't happy about it, you know? And yeah. I was like, oh, you know, and so you actually never, you never know when that compliment actually is, you know, kind of, you not know, not helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And highlighting unhealthy behaviors. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, with your new uh, the one thirty one method, yes, right. Um, so is this? It's referred to as an anti diet. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, and it's very related to that story. So yeah. when I finished that that one particular project, and as you might expect, you know, I can't exercise indefinitely for four hours a day, and yeah. and um, you know, so I kind of went back to my regular eating habits and. I just wasn't right. Like some, I felt like I have I done something to my brain. Like I couldn't think straight. I was uh, not sleeping well, and so I went to a uh, neurologist to have a brain spec done, feeling like there's something wrong. And when I did that, I went to the Amen Clinic. You might be familiar with Dr. Daniel Amen. Uh, he's a rena- he's treating uh, Justin Bieber and uh, Miley Cyrus, <laughs> and you know he treats all like the football people, a lot of famous people. But he lives here in Orange County. So I had him as a guest on my podcast, went and had my brain scanned and um, learned that, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a brutal day, but it was like probably the best day of my life because he said, I know who you are and I know what you do, but you are not healthy. And let me show you why. And I'd done a nutrition panel and I had done a brain scan and he said, your brain is at least 15 to 20 years older than your age. Um, you've got to do something about this. And, you know, when you're looking at your own scans, you're not, you're not, someone's not just telling you that, but you're looking at your own results. That was powerful. It was powerful because I realized I had, I'd done this to myself. It was upsetting because I have children and I couldn't imagine them having to take care of me earlier than need be because of my poor choices. And most importantly, I knew I had millions of followers. 
who I were doing what I was doing. So I, I went on social media that day and I was, you know, I'm not a crier, but I was definitely crying and just said, I'm done for like, you're not going to hear me talking about fitness or nutrition because I don't know anything about nutrition. I know nothing about nutrition and I've led you astray and I have an obligation to be honest and to come clean and to tell you how I got these crazy results. And it's not healthy and it's, it's, uh, really been some poor choices. And I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to take you on the journey with me. And I spent three years just studying and researching and learning how to read research papers and meeting with scientists and and going to the universities and speaking with the university professors and scientists who were doing the research on uh, metabolism and, and internal health and brain health and gut health. And and just so I could learn like, okay, what, do I, what, what, what are we supposed to be doing? And the more I learned, the more I realized there isn't one answer. <laughs> as yeah. as desperately as we want, <laughs> is it keto? Yeah. Is it plant based? Is it right. is it is it? You know, we want this one answer, but the more I learn, the more I realize there isn't one. Uh, so, how do we help people figure out what's right for you now? And uh, so, I created a program which we originally called One Three One Method. This year, we rebranded it uh, and called it. Now we call it Phase It Up. Because we really, you know, one three one method was was still focused on nutrition, and um, I just felt like, even though I was so proud of that program, we've had sixty thousand people go through it and have amazing results. Wow. It's so much more focused on mindset and habits, and like that's what really makes a difference in people's lives. So, right. we we just gave her an update and gave her a new name. Yeah, amazing. And um, what could someone expect that is wanting to join? Phase it up. What yeah. is the that? What does that look like? You're gonna learn that what is right for you might not be right for me, and that you, you really yeah. do have to look at all those factors. Like, how old are you? Are you trying to get pregnant? Are you breastfeeding? Mm-hmm. Are you uh, are you perimenopausal? Are you have you done a million trillion diets and you've thrashed your metabolism? Like, we have to know all of those things, and you kind of plug those in to figure out, like, okay, so what should your dietary phase look like? And when I say phasing, like phasing is is something that's very biological to all of us. Like our ancestors did not eat the same way um, all year long. They ate yeah. differently in the winter than they did in the summer due to resource availability. And right. and also our diets need to phase as we age and as we go through hormonal changes. Like it, I can't eat the same way that someone can who's 25 and uh trying to get pregnant. You know, there's, there, yeah. it's very different. And so we teach people how to be in charge of that for themselves and how to recognize when it's time for them to phase, you know, move into a new phase. And we teach people that the importance of phasing so that you get that metabolic flexibility, right? Everybody knows if you do the same thing over and over and over again, like eventually it stops working. Yeah. And we always beat ourselves up and think, well, I, I guess I should probably just do what I was doing, but do it harder. <laughs> Right, right. But we should really just change it up. Just like, you know, with exercise, we know that, right? We know we have to do periodization. You got to change it up. And I don't know why it's taken us a lot longer to figure that out with our nutrition. Yeah, amazing. Well, I have another question that you've kind of touched on multiple times throughout this is about imposter syndrome. Mm. So... I'm surprised to hear that that's something that you struggled with because I've always looked at you. Like you said, you're very confident. And I just never would have guessed that you had felt that internally. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I feel like really probably everyone has at some point if you are striving to achieve something. True. Right? If you're True. stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, how do you suggest someone get over their imposter syndrome? That's a really good question. Um I think imposter syndrome is okay 
I think it's, you know, like we've turned into like a really bad thing. Um, but it's kind of the only way you think about little children when they, little girls especially, when they get together mm-hmm. and they play house, mm-hmm. right? So they're they're pretending they want to be a mommy someday. So they pretend mm-hmm. to be a mommy. And that's kind of like some of the first ways that we learn to be loving and motherly. So I know we associate imposter syndrome with a, a negative feeling, but I, I really think it's just a way to describe how many of us feel when we're 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 kind of trying to try on a new identity. We're stepping in and stepping up. And yeah, we don't have the chops yet. And we don't have the experience yet to feel the confidence, but you almost you have to pretend, you have to play house before you're gonna be a great mom. You have to I had to act and behave the way I thought I needed to in order to get the experience I needed to finally have the confidence uh, to be a, to call to feel comfortable calling myself a fitness expert to feel comfortable calling myself a, a health and fitness um, leader. You know, it I I had to go through the motions and kind of pretend. Uh, and I think we all have to do that, right? Like even when you first get married and when you bring a baby home, do you remember? Like I remember going, oh. "What am I? I'm a mom." Like I, mm-hmm. I'm. What am I doing? Like, how do you yes. wash this baby? And and just like pretending, and and eventually, then you're like, oh, okay, I guess I am a mom. Yeah, I still am having a hard time thinking of myself as a mom. Like, I still have a hard time believing that she's real, even <laughs> though she's 11 weeks old now, which is still it's nothing in the grand scheme of things. But still, sure. um, the sleep, the sleep part of it makes mm. me believe I'm a mom. Girl, <laughs> we'll say yeah, that. yeah, that's tough. Yeah, sleep is a big part of my. Um, recovery that Dr. Eamon put together for me. You know, one of the things that we learned with my brain scan was there was this toxicity in my brain that, you know, they wanted to question me, like, have you have you been an intravenous drug user? Have you recently done a very serious bout of chemotherapy? No, oh no, no. So there was like all this toxicity in my brain. And so um, they sent me to do a sleep study uh, to figure out, if they said that it's only it's either this or you have like major chronic sleep deprivation. And I'm like, Ugh. I knew, oh, I already yeah. knew. I was like, do we have to go do a test? Yeah. You know, and <laughs> and my issue was not that I couldn't sleep. My issue was that I didn't allow myself to sleep because I need I wanted to fit more in, you know. So I would I as an entrepreneur with kids, I wait till they went to bed and then start working like at nine until like, you know, one or 2 a.m. and then wake up at four or five to do fitness and thinking like, yeah, I'll just drink coffee and get Botox if I need to. Like, you know, and I was never, I never felt tired. Although I always felt, I felt, I felt wired and tired, but I never, if I sat down, I would fall asleep immediately, but I never stopped moving. And so when they said it could be chronic sleep deprivation, I was like, Oh, and now I'm busted. Now I'm really busted. So I had to change my sleep habits. And I always say to new moms that unfortunately, that's a time when like, yeah, you you are going to have to make up for this later because you you just do lose so much sleep. Yeah. Well, I have to say last night, I'm so grateful to my amazing husband, Luca. Um, He took the baby. I have to say, I had a little bit of anxiety about this, but he took our daughter Aurora to sleep in her room in her crib for the first time. And he slept in the recliner and he's like, you need to sleep. Like you, I'm going to go and like for for the first 20 minutes, I was like, how am I going to sleep? Oh my gosh, is she okay? Like, I'm so anxious, you know, Mm -hmm. but then I, I I did go to sleep (laughs) finally. Um, and yeah, so I finally feel, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. So I finally feel refreshed. (laughs) It's tough for, cause there's a lot of women listening who, who don't have a husband or a partner who's as, um, thoughtful in that way. 
Yeah, that's true. And so I do feel though on the, on the topic of sleep, I feel like, um, especially for our American culture, we mm-hmm. almost wear busyness and a lack of sleep as like a badge of honor. Totally. Right? I did. Yeah. But, yeah. I always oh, and about I've, it. I've done it too. For yeah. sure. Um, how do we get over that? How do we get, get focus on sleep as much as we do with like fueling our body and, and yeah. exercising? For me, it was just looking at science. So, um, you know, just looking at scientific reports and scientific studies on the condition of our brain to, to understand that that's the way our brain clears toxins, uh, to know the impact that it was having mm-hmm. on me in terms of my longevity, to know the impact that it has on your body fat, like all of those things. Yeah. I was like, well, if I'm not going to be exercising for four hours a day, I better get some sleep. Right. And, and so for me, it was all those things. And, you know, I, I don't, if I can be honest with you, if I hadn't seen my scan, I don't know that I would have made changes. Because I just loved to lie to myself and say, I'm different. Like, eh, I don't feel tired, so it can't, it's not having an effect on my brain. For some people, I just really think it is important that, like, you go get a nutrition panel or you you go and get the results because the results can often motivate. Like, when you're looking at your results, when you, yeah. you can't improve that which you haven't measured. And uh, it was really important to me to, to, to then go back two years later and, and, do a comparison side by side of what I was able to do for my brain. And that was really motivating. Then I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to keep this up and keep getting my sleep. Yeah, amazing. Um, So I have a question about a topic that is not at all relating to anything that we've talked about. But I I mentioned it very early on that I've, I've always looked at you as like a parenting expert. I've just really appreciated that that side of your content um, because you've never pretended for things to be perfect. You know, you're very real about it. But with that being said, I saw in your stories um, a quote that you said that whenever we do things for our kids, Mm. we're sending them the message subconsciously that they are not capable. And this really stuck with me because I was raised kind of um, with very little parental supervision just because Mm -hmm. my my dad wasn't capable. He worked, Mm. um, you know, an hour away. My mom, you know, lived in a different country, <laughs> you know, like I was raised by my single, single father. Mm. And I've always, you know, felt like that is why I'm so independent mm. and why I have confidence and, you know, what has set, set me on this trajectory for my life to do things and figure things out for myself. So I, I, I love that message that you're sharing. Can you expand a bit on why you feel that way? Can I ask you, did it make you feel like your dad didn't love you if he didn't like, like, you know, I heard you say in one of your podcasts that he was like, listen, if you want to drive a car, you're going to have to pay for your gas, your insurance. And did that make you feel like, did you ever feel like, oh, he doesn't love me as much as other kids? No. Not at all. Yeah, me either. Not in the slightest. But it's as parents, I can tell you that it's very yeah. tempting. It's very, very tempting. Yeah. We feel like, oh, my gosh, they're going to think I don't love them if I make mm-hmm. them do this themselves. And um, I just used my own parents as a, a guide. I incredible parents. I mean, they weren't perfect, but one thing that they really did do was teach us we could do freaking anything. And the way they taught us that is not by repeating that, but by making us prove it to ourselves. You know, having us get out of our own, you know, if we had a problem in school, then we would have to handle it. They were involved and would give us advice. They would tell us pros and cons, but they always were um, very it was very important to them to teach us that you have a voice and you're super capable and you're you're going to be able to figure this out. And yeah. it, from everything, from money to uh, discord with friends, 
having having to return things at a young age, um, taking care of our own our own things, uh, buying and selling things, starting businesses, like all of those things. My parents, uh, oh, and they would brag about us. Like that was like a moment of pride. Wow. Like my my dad yeah. would say, like this is my daughter. She bought her very first car herself. You know, yeah. and I was just like, I never felt like, oh my gosh, my friends' parents are buying them cars. My parents must love me less. I. Mm. To this day, I'm 51 years old, and I still brag about the fact that I paid for my own cars and that I, you know, went, I paid for my own college. Like that today gives me confidence in everything I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it's very, very tempting for parents, especially today, to like give them all the things. Mom, can I have another $12.99 to buy on this game that I'm playing? Sure, kid. Let's figure out a way for you to earn it. Yes. I love that so much. And I have to just say this is a topic that my husband and I have talked about um, because he – I don't know if it's because he's Italian, you know, born and raised in Italy and they have a different culture there. But like, he's just like, oh, I want to start a college fund for our kids. Mm. And I'm just like, um, no, like I worked full time to put myself through college, a very expensive college. Thankfully, I also was able to get like, you know, financial aid and things like that. But um, yeah, no, I don't want to hand everything to my kids. You know, I want them to work for it. But he on his side, he's like, yeah, but I, you know, my parents gave me this and that, and I'm still a really hard worker. So <laughs> yeah. how, there's some nature, some nurture. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, again, I think everybody's a little different. This is my yeah. advice. It's how we raised our kids. They've turned out in, incredible, are both, you know, completely self-sufficient. Um, you know, my son was uh, financially independent by the time he was a sophomore in college. And when I say independent, yeah. like completely, his own car, his own living, his own food, everything, yeah. um, you know, both of them. So, so, but nonetheless, we've done quite well, right? Yes. And so, yes, yes. like, to your point about a college fund, we had a college fund for both kids, and oh. uh, we didn't tell them. We oh, we we okay. have money set aside uh, in terms of trust, but they don't know that. You know, like, so there's things that we do, but we, right. o- okay. but we're always there in the wings. Like we're always there, like with a net just in case, but I want nice. you to know you can swing on that trapeze and you're going to, you're going to catch the one that's swinging towards you and you're going to be just fine. Yeah. Well, and so you've kind of helped your, not kind of, you have helped your kids immensely with their own personal uh, business and financial success, but you've also helped so many people as well. That's one of your other areas of business, right? Yeah. And can you talk a bit about those programs that you have? Yeah. So, you know, again, because so many people assume the reason why they know me is because of how much I know about fitness. And I always say, like, you don't have to know more than everybody else. Uh, You just need to know how to reach people. And because we'd figured out how to do that so successfully and on a shoestring budget and and really even using social media, um, I wanted to teach other people, like, Today, oh my gosh, it's so much easier. It's so easy to start a business. It is so easy to reach people for free, but you do need to know how. Um, so there are no shortcuts, but there are there are definitely more direct routes. And I'm very passionate about teaching people how to build a brand, how to how to start a business, and and how to do that in such a way that you don't end up a prisoner to your business. And I think a lot of people today are prisoners to their businesses. And that has a lot to do with social media and the and the um, time that they spend on social media versus building an email list. That's, a, you know, a really big topic for me. And so we have um, we have a, a membership club. It's like a monthly club that teaches people first how to how to use Instagram to do these things. And uh, and then for people who are like, 
you know, really want to go deep, we have a, a school. It's called the Marketing Impact Academy. We've got over 7,000 members. and But that is, it's it's for people who are like really serious about like, okay, I need to know all the things. I need to know email marketing and, and conversion rates and landing pages and how do I automate these things and how do I hire a virtual assistant and how do I manage a virtual assistant? Like, you know, so when somebody wants to like really scale and understand uh, how to grow a business without having it take over their lives, then that's the Marketing Impact Academy. And it is so fun to see the success of our students. Oh, I can imagine. Um, And I have a personal question for you. Yeah. So when I look at your, even just your Instagram, I'm like, wow, Shailene does it all. And you do it (laughs) amazingly and I'm like how does she have this energy still like after like you said like we've you know known each other for eight years and over that time you've always just been on the cutting edge of whatever is happening you know do you how do you do you feel like you're ever spread thin or that you're getting worn out or is this just something that it just you know yeah I'd be lying if I said I didn't sometimes feel burnt out sure I felt burnt out yesterday I don't feel burnt out today. Um, okay. So I, what I won't ever do again is go great lengths of time feeling like this mm. is too much. So okay. there was a, a, a stage in our early businesses, probably like around 2010, 11, when um, it was too much and I just didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to slow down. I didn't know how to... I didn't know how to outsource. I didn't know how to hire a team. I was trying to do everything myself and every single opportunity felt like the last opportunity we would ever have. So I took them all. And um, really, really, it affected our marriage. It affected our health, um, our happiness. Like we lived in this, you know, we were living this amazing life, like appearance wise, but we couldn't enjoy it ever because there was no time to like go see a movie even. You know what I mean? Like that felt like, oh, we don't have time. Um, And that wasn't fun. And so Brett and I both kind of, you know, with a marriage counselor, really sat down and realized and said, what what do we want? Do we want more money? Do we want more success in business? Or do we want each other? Yeah. And we were luckily, I mean, sometimes couples aren't in agreement on that, but we really, really wanted each other. And uh, so we set out a plan. That's when we decided to sell uh, three of our businesses. And, um, to go to focus exclusively on helping others to build a business, you know, and we that's when we dove headfirst into helping other entrepreneurs. Since that time, now when I have a day where I'm like, this is too much, like I literally said that yesterday, I'm like, this is too much, this is too much, I can't take it. You know, and I always throw like a little fit and over <laughs> overreact. And my husband like calms me down. Um, and then like, Usually what I'll do is I'll sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and I write down everything that's overwhelming me. Mm-hmm. When you do that, you just put a little asterisk by the ones that are the most overwhelming mm-hmm. or the ones that are, are just like the straw that broke the camel's back. And if you just cross that off or just say, you know what, I have permission to say, I, I'm not going to make this deadline. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going to sell as many as I thought. I'm not going to. And you just cross it off. It's like, wow, everything else is so much easier and you feel so much happier. I no longer set goals or define my success based on things Mm. or accomplishments. All of my um, success is based on a feeling and my word is peaceful. Mm. So as long as I am peaceful, then I am successful. And in order for me to be peaceful, I need to do a lot of goofing around. (laughs) And I I can't work for hours and hours and hours. I, I can do like you know, one major meeting a day, that's it. Um, I can do one 
great podcast a day? And can I fit five others in? Yeah. But then I won't be I won't feel peaceful and I won't feel happy. And I I, I really need a lot of playtime in order to keep my energy high. I need to do a lot of things that just are purely entertaining for me. Right. I need to laugh. I have two more questions for you, and you might have just answered one of them, but the the question is the the name of the podcast is Your Best Life, and yeah. the whole point of that is that that doesn't exist, one best life, that everyone has a different, um, different standards, different requirements for what allows them to live their best life. Um, so if you had to pick one thing that has mm. allowed you to live your own version yeah. of your best life, what would that be? Help. I would say help a thousand percent um, because when you are a resourceful person like yourself, when you're a doer, when you're an action taker, when you're a big dreamer, um, you know, it's it can be really frustrating because you're like, why can't everybody else keep up? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and there's right. so you have so many ideas and so many things you want to do. And you also want to be a great mom and you also want your closet organized and you also want to <laughs> launch your app, you know, and yeah. and um, it for me, I had to recognize that. I wasn't going to be able to enjoy any of those things if I personally needed credit mm -hmm. for doing the work. And so I had to recognize that, okay, so what what gives me joy to do to do those things? And then what things do I need to outsource? Yeah. And uh, the, the, the day I made that decision, um, our lives changed and our happiness quotient goes up. And I think for so many of us, we think we're saving money. I'll just do this because it'll save. We can't afford to do this, but really, you can't afford to keep doing it when you think about your own value. Something as simple as the laundry. I call that the Inez factor. So, um, <laughs> when we were pretty broke, uh, and I was having one of those like meltdown moments with my husband, I'm like, he, he's like, "Well, just work on the the thing until you get it done." I'm like, "How am I supposed to do that when the the couch is covered in laundry?" <laughs> and I've got and the, the dishes in the sink. How am I supposed to do any of this? And he's like, well, we'll hire someone to do it. I'm like, but I'm the mom. I'm supposed to do it. And he's like, we'll just hire someone for two weeks. And if it doesn't make you feel a lot better, not, you know, they're not take, taking care of the kids, Shalene. They're washing the dishes and doing the laundry. I'm like, all right, all right. So we hired a gal named Inez and she would come into our home for, and, and here's a really big key. Cause I know some of your listeners may have someone who helps them with cleaning the house once a month. Mm -hmm. That uncut it. You're going to save yourself money if you bring in someone more often. So we brought in somebody three hours a day, four days a week. Wow. So she was a, a mom herself. She had just yeah. a few hours while our kids were at school. We paid her minimum wage at the time. We were completely broke. She, while she would do the laundry and the laundry's drying, she would clean the whole house like a Tasmanian devil. Yeah. And she put everything away and it was all color corded and, and organized by sleeve and my my drawer of bras looked like it was Victoria's Secret. It was like so perfect. And like the weight of the world lifted from my shoulders and I was able to be a better mom and I was able to get my projects done. And that experience taught me like there are certain things that they don't make me a better mom. Certain yeah. things, in fact, I need help or if I'm going to be a better mom. I need help with this if I'm going to be a better boss. I don't, I don't need to figure out how to code my website. I don't need to edit mm. the video. I don't need to be the person who, you know, fill in the blank. Just And that's not saving me money. Invest yeah. in other people and believe in, that, believe in their abundance, believe in their greatness, and that yeah. will give you a much more amazing life. So this actually reminds me of a lesson that I learned from you early on. I have to say, not that I've been the best at implementing it, but is that when you don't ask for help, you create your own glass ceiling. Oh yeah. And yeah. still trying to, you know, figure that out for myself, yeah. but it definitely has helped in many cases. And this is another great 
um, area that I think that I need to take your advice on with getting someone to help with all those little things. Cause like, and again, in, in this specific example, it might sound, I don't want to say it's not materialistic by any means, but like, I don't know, like the area, the, where you live, like yep. that impacts your energy, that impacts your brain, like your ability to kind of, you know, organize your life. Yes. And so. Well, where were you going with that? Just what, what, what does that mean? Like you're because you, you're relating where you live to help. So what does that mean? You know, just like the idea of like, OK, so real talk. I have been someone that's like I didn't grow up with like help with like, like, you know, like I said. Yeah, no. Yeah, and uh-huh. I just never, ever saw myself as someone who would have a nanny mm-hmm. or who would have someone cleaning my house like that was bougie. That was like, mm-hmm. you know, for people who totally. had that luxury Same. in life. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and being an adult now, I've always kind of had this like, oh, like, do I, do I want to do that? Am I yeah. that person? I don't want to yeah. be. And, and again, and not to shame anyone who does that at all. But just for me, that was always my, my perception, my relation to it growing up. Yeah. And but I can't do it all. I can't right. keep a house immaculate and run a business <laughs> and have a newborn and all the things. And right now we're about to launch the biggest expansion project of my career of our app. And yesterday, how you said that you had a I'm so spread spread so thin moment yesterday. Yeah. I had the moment yesterday too because I was just like <laughs> I I had my own little cry sesh and Luca yeah. came in and was like it's okay how can I help so yeah. anyways the point is just that I think that as like I don't think this is the right word but as superficial as that might seem to like get a cleaning person to help I think that that is something no, that yeah. can just help clear your mind and pave the way for you to do the things that are the most important to do them the best way that you can. Not to mention there's so many people right now who need work and they need flexible work right. and they need work yes. to work around their children's, you know, their school and their work. And and so many – who cares what other people think? I really do not care yeah. what other people think as, <laughs> as long as I'm doing a good job as a parent. Like that's the yeah. one thing that matters the most to me. So if somebody wants to judge me, I'm like, bring it on. Um, but back to housekeeping. So for those who are like, wait, why did she say bringing someone in once a month or once a week isn't a good idea? Because, ladies, you and I both know you clean your ass off before she shows up. And you're like, the cleaning lady's coming. And you yeah. go crazy and you yeah. clean the whole house. And so you do half of the work before she gets there. And then that lasts like a day or two. And yeah. then your house is back to destroy. <laughs> it's, it's like it's not the deep cleaning that makes us feel calm. It's the decluttering. It's the putting things away. It's the why are these things on the stairs? It's the get the all the clean clothes off of the the uh, couch fold them put them put them away where they belong like those are the things that make us feel calm it's not the, like the scrubbing of the baseboards right so if you can bring in someone more frequently even just a couple of hours a week but like more frequently then things stay clutter free and clutter really prevent clutter is our biggest the biggest reason why we procrastinate. It's why we don't start the diet. It's why we don't leave the guy. It's why we uh, don't um, do the things that we need to do because there's clutter and it weighs on our brain. So never underestimate the power. I think that's the first hire for anyone who's an entrepreneur is have someone come and help you in the house just a couple of hours a week. And then from there, you just realize the more the more people you hire, um, the better relationships you have and the more you get to do what only you can do. Yeah. Amazing. Well, my last question for you um, is where can my audience find and follow you? Cool. They, I'd love to have them follow me on Instagram. Um, you know, stories is where you'll get a slice of my life. I think I think stories is probably the best place. I, I try to drop a ton of value in my stories. So it's at Shalene Johnson. And uh, of course, the, the website is 
shaleen.com. Amazing. Shaleen, thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like I was so proud to of you. Friend. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. I hope you're staying safe and healthy out there. Oh, yes. And take care of that little baby. And Luca's just a doll. I've enjoyed listening <laughs> to him on the podcast. He's such a sweetheart. Oh. And you guys are just freaking adorable. So it was an honor to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. All right, guys, that was my conversation with Shalene Johnson. Luca, what did you think? An incredible entrepreneur, like from very yes. early age. Like it's honestly, I was so impressed about the car, you know, the swap meeting and, you know, she was Me like too. flipping, she was actually flipping cards, buying them from auctions. Right. And then, you know, yeah. selling them. That's I had cool. no idea. That is amazing. And that was to pay for a college. Right. I think that that's such a great example of like just being resilient and taking control of your situation. And like she said, she didn't grow up with money and, you know, like she wanted to go to college and she made it happen. And that like just that in itself is so inspiring, not to mention how hard she's worked to get to where she is today. It, it was interesting, actually, how she said, like, I don't I'm not a fitness expert. I'm a marketing expert. And I guess that is true. But like from an outsider, like I've always looked at her as like, you know, a leading person in the fitness industry. Right. But um, I really couldn't believe the story about a producer or an executive or whatever it oh, was yeah. telling her to lose weight and that she was when she did that she was at her most unhealthy and getting the praise from people of how great she looked. Like, that just blew my mind. I'm not surprised. The producer actually called oh my God. Oh my her God. husband. That's that's ridiculous. Luca, could ridiculous. you imagine? Could no. you imagine if someone no. called you about my no. body? I can't even, no. <gasps> I, yeah. We would probably pull out of the project. I feel like if that ever happened to us, you know. Yeah, um, totally. I totally agree. So yeah. I, I also really loved her tip about the decluttering and like getting someone to clean come yep. and clean the house because you guys we are drowning over here with a newborn yeah <laughs> yeah owning our business and with this huge you know launch that we have coming up like just it looks like the tasmanian devil ran through the house a few times yeah so how do you feel about that yeah no i i think honestly it's a uh... It's great advice. We're probably going to do that starting twi twice a week, you know, a couple of yeah. hours. So four hours a week and it's just declutter, just, you know, tidy up here and there. So we don't have our mind is not occupied yeah. with something else and we can focus on what's important. I do feel like this is, I don't know, you girls listening can correct me if this is wrong, but I do feel like that is somewhat specific to like entrepreneurs, like that piece of advice and like people or people who like work a lot. You know, because honestly, like I've really kind of enjoyed cleaning up the house lately. Since becoming a mom, I've realized like there's some things that I can do and it's my quiet time <laughs> and I can kind of like <laughs> escape yeah. a little bit. And like I've done more laundry and I've cleaned the house more since becoming a mom because I'm like, I need to do something where I can just kind of zombie out and like have some quiet time. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about it a bit some more. And you moms listening can let me know if you do the same thing with cleaning. Um. So, yeah, you know, this was just such a motivating episode, um, an opportunity to talk to Shalene and reconnect. And, oh, I just feel like there's so much I could learn from her. And I have a million more questions for her, but we'll save that for a future podcast. So I hope everyone um, enjoyed listening to this. Let us know what you think in the Facebook group or on Insta. Shoot us a comment or a DM and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. 
And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.